G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. Reading, writing, arithmetic, the three R's. Pastor Greg Laurie shares three more R's with us today. The three R's of revival are remember, repent, and then repeat. Listen to this. If you want to see a revival, then do revival-like things. Start your day reading the Word of God if you feel like it or not. Take more time to be with God's people in worship. Take more opportunities to pray. Leave your comfort zone and share your faith. This is the day when the lost are found. behind the wheel on a long road trip. Those endless kilometres on the highway can be fatiguing. We can actually feel sleepy at 100 kilometres an hour. Sometimes we go through life at 100 k's an hour, but spiritually speaking, we've practically fallen asleep. Today in A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie points out how to wake ourselves up spiritually and how that will have an effect on our culture as well. He's explaining the biblical prescription for a societal spiritual awakening. So we're talking about the Jesus revolution. You know, it's interesting, in the days of the Jesus movement, we didn't call it the Jesus revolution. It was Time Magazine that came up with this idea. They called it a revolution. We didn't call it that, but in many ways, it was a revolution. What is a revolution? Generally, we think of upheaval, radical change, like the French Revolution. But the word revolution also means turning around and returning to something. And I think that's really what we need in America. We need to turn back to God. You know, I can't think of a time in our nation's history for the years I've been alive and maybe even before in studying history when America has been more divided than we are right now. And we love to point our fingers, you know, we point our fingers at Hollywood and all the junk they churn out, and they do deserve some blame, of course. Or we point our fingers at uh, Washington, D.C. But you know, when a nation is breaking down, God does not point his finger at the White House. He points his finger at his house, at the church. Because revival is what the church needs to experience. A spiritual awakening is what America needs. A revival is what the church needs. And I quoted this verse last time, Second Chronicles 7.14. It's really God's prescription for revival or restoration. Uh, and it applies to any person or any nation where God says, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will forgive their sins and heal their land. So I wanna talk about 
prayer and revival. Because that's really what needs to happen. We need to start praying like we've never prayed before. Revival is getting back to the Christian life as it was meant to be lived. Revival is sort of like being in love for the first time or in the bloom of first love. In fact, the Bible even compares our relationship with God to that of two newlyweds or someone in the first love relationship. In fact, in the book of Ephesians, Jesus talks to the church there and says, you know, loose paraphrase, I know you guys are active, I know you're busy, you're doing a lot of great stuff, but here's my issue with you. You've left your first love. Now, how many of you are in love with somebody right now? Raise your You're in love with somebody. Okay, now, uh, how many of you are married? Okay, how many of you are in love with your spouse? I better see the same amount of hands go up. How many of you are not married yet, but you're in love with somebody? You're in love with somebody, it's okay. Okay, are you with them? Are you with them here? Have you told them yet? Do they know, or is this the first time they're hearing it? <laughs> You know, I always, when I was a kid in school, I was always falling in love with girls that never knew I existed. You know, I'd, I'd have crushes on girls, right? And so maybe there's someone you think, oh, I wonder if that's the right one for me. So you write their name and your name together, you know, and you, you play around with their last name is your last name if you're a girl. And, and you know, that's the kinds of things that people that are in love do. And you, you've got the butterflies in the stomach and you're nervous and your mouth goes dry and all those things that are, speak of a new love. And then you get married. Okay, and then things change. As I've said, marriage is a three ring circus. There's engagement ring, wedding ring, and suffering. No, that's a joke, but sometimes it's that way. But I, I bring this up as an illustration because this can be like our relationship with God. You know, when you first come to Jesus, you're all excited, you're all fired up. You wanna go to every church service. You can't go to too many church services. You can't wait to get up in the morning and hear what the Bible has to say to you. Prayer, man, you just love to pray. You're always praying. In fact, sometimes you pray too long, which isn't the worst thing a person can do. Sharing your faith, that's just natural. You're always initiating conversations about Jesus Christ. But the thing is, is as time passes, we start taking these things for granted and it's possible to sort of leave our first love. You don't lose it, but you can leave it. So speaking to people who've left their first love, Jesus says, remember from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works quickly. So the three R's of getting right with God, or we could say the three R's of revival are remember. So if there was a time in your life as a Christian when you're Fought, you had more fire for God, you had more passion for Jesus, remember it as a point of reference. Then repent, you know, literally repent. You know, change your direction. That's what repent means, it means go in the opposite direction. And then repeat, do the first works quickly. Listen to this, if you wanna see a revival, then do revival-like things. So instead of overly mystifying it, just get back and do those things you used to do. Don't wait for some emotion to overcome you. Just start your day reading the Word of God if you feel like it or not. Take more time to be with God's people in worship. Take more opportunities to pray. Leave your comfort zone and share your faith. Revival is not only returning to one's first love in Jesus, but it's also waking up from sleep. Often in the Bible, uh, lethargy, laziness, and sleep 
is used as a picture of a person that is complacent in their relationship with God. In Romans 13, 11 it says, it's more urgent right now. The day of the Lord is closer than it's ever been. Time is running out, so wake up because our salvation is so close. You know, the funny thing about going to sleep is you don't always know that you're asleep. Others do because you're snoring, right? <laughs> but uh, sometimes uh, when my wife and I are, are dozing off, she likes to watch, how do I put it delicately, boring things on TV? which actually helps because I watch things that get me too stimulated. She'll say, turn that off. And then she likes to watch a show called, I don't know if you've ever seen it, The Great British Bake Off. You ever seen that show? So it's like these two people, uh, Paul Hollywood and Mary Berry. Now they have another lady they do it with. And all these people compete from around England. And they are given a challenge to bake this or bake that. And, and then he tests all the things after they bake them. And it, to me, it's like so boring. And so I fall asleep and Kathy will say, are you sleeping? And I don't know why, but I deny it. No, I wasn't sleeping. Why do we deny it when we're sleeping? Someone calls us at three in the morning. Were you sleeping? No, no, I what? Yeah, and you just woke me up. Thank you very much. So that's how it can be sometimes spiritually. You don't realize that you're spiritually asleep. Well, if you've just joined us, you're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. He's from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And today he's pointing out how a spiritual awakening in our culture depends on revival in the church. We're learning the steps toward that goal today. Let's continue. Revival is getting back to the Christian faith that was lived out in the first century. You know, it's been said that Revival is when God gets so sick and tired of being misrepresented, he shows up himself. And periodically, we have to rescue Jesus from modern day Christianity. It gets all caught up in religious stuff and ritualistic stuff and all kinds of things that have nothing to do with Jesus. This is why we called it the Jesus Revolution. Everything, it's about Jesus. And when we're focused on Jesus, everything seems to find its right place. So God wants to send a revival. One person wrote it down this way, and I quote, if all the sleeping people will wake up, if all the lukewarm people will fire up, if all of the dishonest people will confess up, if all the disgruntled people will cheer up, if all the estranged people will make up, if all the gossipers will shut up, if all true soldiers will stand up, if the dry bones will shake up, if all the church people will pray up, then we can have a revival. I like that. <laughs> so here's a point number one. If you're taking notes, if you want to see a revival, you need to confess your sin, humble yourself, and pray. You need to confess your sin, humble yourself, and pray. Here's something to think about with sleep. Um, you know, when I get sleepy is when I overeat. I, I get real tired. Think about Thanksgiving when we all commit the sin of gluttony nationally, right? <laughs> so we eat turkey and mashed potatoes with gravy and sweet potatoes, maybe with melted marshmallows. At least we do that. And then you have biscuits or cornbread or muffins or, you know, rolls or something like that. And then, of course, pumpkin pie. I think it's a law. You have to have pumpkin pie on Thanksgiving. But I don't know about you, but I want to go into a coma afterwards. And then you wake up and what do you do? You go have a turkey sandwich or something like that. 
But uh, so here's a funny thing about sleep. You know, it's, it's not always just a bad thing. It can happen when you've been fed really well. So you know, you can come to church and be fed the Word of God and study the Word of God and actually, how shall I put it? I don't want to say overeat because I don't think you can overstudy the Bible. But let me say it this way. You can study the Bible without any application in your life or putting it into action. See, if you just eat and you don't exercise, you're just gonna become, well, spiritually obese. You'll be a real holy roller. We'll have to roll you out of the church, right? <laughs> and so I think there has to be a place for understanding we need to give out what God has given to us. We're blessed to be a blessing. But there are things that can hinder our prayer life. Um, the Bible says that if we have idols in our heart, the Lord will not listen to us. So what's an idol? It can be anything. It could be a guitar. It could be a car. It could be a house. It could be your body. It could be some device that you have, a phone or whatever else. Um, it could be a career. It could be so many things that you're more passionate about than God. So the idea of not having another God before him is, is make God number one in your life. The first commandment is, is, is put God first and have, you know, have no other gods before me. And then he says, don't make any graven images. So it, you know, if we have an idol in our heart, God won't hear us. Another thing that can hinder our prayer is unconfessed sin. You know, because the Bible says that if we have iniquity in our hearts, the Lord will not hear us. So I think it's really important for us to confess our sin. In fact, that kind of brings us to the text I want to look at, Nehemiah chapter nine. And this is a story of a massive prayer meeting uh, that happened. And in this prayer meeting, uh, took place after the people of Israel who had been held captive in Babylon for 70 years were free. And talk about idols. They were like an idol central. There were idols everywhere. In fact, the reason they ended up in Babylon is the Israelites kept taking God for granted and turning into these stupid false gods. So the Lord said, okay, you guys want false gods and idols? I'll send you to a place where you have more than you can shake a stick at. After 70 years in Babylon, they were allowed to return to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. They were led by Nehemiah. So after the walls were rebuilt and everybody was back in the land, a prophet priest named Ezra gave a powerful message. And after he was done speaking, the people prayed. So Nehemiah 9 verses one to four, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. On October 31st, the people assembled again, and this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. And those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all foreigners as they confessed their own sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in place for three hours while the book of the law of the Lord God was read aloud to them. And for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord. So don't talk to me about services going too long. I mean, check this out. For three hours they confessed their sins and worshiped the Lord. And for three hours they stood in place hearing the message. Uh, so that sounds like revival to me. So what do they do? They prayed with passion and they confessed their sins. Uh, the Bible says if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I think sometimes we think of sins as just breaking a commandment, and sins are that. Uh, when you step over a line or, or you do a thing that the Bible tells you you should not do, like break one of the commandments. 
Uh, some preacher recently said he doesn't think we need the Ten Commandments anymore. I could not differ more from that. Uh, God gave us the very Ten Commandments. They're written by the finger of God. Now he wants us to go beyond them because in the commandments Jesus pointed out in the Sermon on the Mount, you've heard that it has been said, you shall not murder, but I say to you, if you're angry with your brother without a cause, it's the same thing, or you've heard of the law, you shall not commit adultery, that's one of the commandments, but I say to you, if you look at a woman with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. So it, he wants us to go further than them, but he certainly doesn't want us to do away with them. But they help us know what right and wrong are. But then there are other kinds of sins, not just sins of commission, but sins of omission. The sin of omission is when you don't do what you should do. The sin of commission is when you do what you should not do. Again, the sin of commission is when you do what you should not do, break a commandment, cross a line. The sin of omission is when you don't do what you should do because the Bible says, if we know to do good and we don't do it, it's sin. We don't think of sin that way. Well, I, I didn't think lustfully today and I didn't cut anybody off from the freeway and I didn't cuss once and I didn't lie and I didn't steal so I guess I haven't sinned and the Lord led you. Why don't you go over there and share the gospel with that person right now? There's no way I'm gonna do that. Wait, could that be a sin? Could that be the sin of omission? If the Lord spoke to your heart and said, put down the cell phone and pick up my word, and you said, no, could it be a sin to not obey God? Again, to him that knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. So there's a lot of things that can qualify as sin. So I think we have to acknowledge that in our life. That is why in the Lord's Prayer, he shows us we should ask God to forgive us of our sin every day. Go back to it again. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sin as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Just as surely as you need daily bread, and that just means you need everything from God. Bread means food, clothing. It's funny, back in the 60s we used to call money bread. We'd say, hey man, you got any bread? Okay, so... Hey, but that's really true. Bread just means everything. Everything you need in life, you ask God for it, but then forgive us our sins. So just as surely as I need to ask God for His provision, I need to also ask God for His forgiveness. Great insight from Pastor Greg Laurie today on the importance of confessing our sins and how that sets the stage for humble, effective prayer. Well, tomorrow we'll have some more insight as we seek to bring revival to the church and to our individual lives. We're continuing Pastor Greg's series, Jesus Revolution. At same time tomorrow, right here on A New Beginning. For a copy of today's full message, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called Prayer and Revival. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.